Welcome to the CFB Dynasty Podcast with hosts Matt Knowles, Brian McElfresh, and Doug Gravely. Hey everybody, how you doing out there? It's week five, college fantasy football. This is the CFBDynasty.com podcast. As you see today, it is just me and the one and only BMAC, Brian McElfresh. Brian, you ever go and play pool and, you know, you make a bet and somebody wins. They're just like, I win, I'm out, and you don't get a chance to go uh, get your money back? Yes. That's kind of yeah. how I feel right now, Doug. <laughs> Doug Gravely decides he's going to go win our CFB Dynasty host <laughs> battle on DraftKings. He wins, and then he dips. BMAC, where is Doug? Why is he not here? <laughs> well, he's traveling uh, with his dad for a funeral, uh, I think, in North Carolina. So um, he'll be back, though, I think, for our Saturday morning DFS show. But, uh, yeah, yeah, he'll be back. He's just on the road. I guess I guess that could be an excused absence right there, but that that's a good enough reason. It's not him getting a pedicure or something like that. This is a real world situation, so I can roll with that. Yeah, funerals would be acceptable. Wedding also would not be acceptable. No, I mean, if it's midweek, at least it's not a Saturday, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, first things first. I got to just say it. I was wrong. I said Shador Sanders. I'm going to roll with him <laughs> until he gives me a reason not to roll with him. I felt like everybody saying that that game was going to be a beatdown was just just seemed ridiculous that it was going to be the beatdown the way that everybody was saying. When you have two teams in the top 20, there should never be a beatdown. I mean, I guess I should have remembered back to the CM, the college football championship last year to say two good teams can get beat down, but I yeah. was wrong. We um, tried Shador, to warn you. We yeah. tried. <laughs> Shador Sanders is a great quarterback. But that game exposed just how bad their offensive line is. He right. was running for his life. He was, it was unbelievable. I mean, their offensive line was so bad. I don't know if you remember back in the day when the Houston Texans were so bad that they would have David Carr doing commercials and he would have like no offensive line in the commercial. Like they were <laughs> mocking just how bad their own team was. That's how it felt. I mean, Colorado, who looked like they could do no wrong for the first few weeks of the season, just got epically beat down. Unbelievable. What do you think the fallout from that game is going to be? Do you think that Colorado is going to be able to recover from that kind of beatdown? Or do you think that uh, that's just showing that there was some stuff that needed to be exposed and Oregon was the team to expose them? You know, comment from Nick there. Doug's fan club is here and disappointed. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, I, I know, like, following recruiting, as far as Oregon goes, their D-line is is really good. They've got a ton of talent there. So it was just going to be a mismatch all the way. You know, you've been able to see that a little bit with Colorado and their rushing trends, not being able to get any push or run the ball. Um and like we talked about early on the season, you know, Dylan Edwards, the freshman, breaks out his first game. Colorado gets the upset win against TCU, but he did it with three receiving touchdowns. And uh, it's it's really one of those things where it's that kind of stuff isn't reliable. You can't rely on that from week to week. So what you're looking for is yeah, targets, yards per carry, attempts on the ground, all that stuff. Um, we value more than touchdowns, which is weird. 
Um, but or it seems weird to a lot of people. But yeah, that's just really how it is. And Oregon's D line, it was just such a mismatch on the line of scrimmage. Uh, Oregon's D line and O line, that it just wasn't going to be a game. So, so I know this is college fantasy, but I mean, I, I can't. We can't leave this segment without talking about which beatdown in the state of Colorado or against a team in Colorado was worse. <laughs> was it Colorado losing to Oregon, or the Dolphins putting the historic? Epic beatdown on Denver, seventy to twenty. The next day, which one do you think is going to be harder to overcome? The Broncos beatdown or the Buffs or the Buffaloes beatdown? Well, uh, as far as <laughs> as far as the Broncos go, it gets a little easier this week. They play against Justin Fields, so um, I would say it's going to be easier for the Broncos to get over it, even though that was the more impressive beat down in my opinion was the dolphins. But um, man, I think, uh, I think we'll see Shador get back on track this week against USC. Um, and I think he'll, they'll put up some touchdowns and I think it'll be a little closer than the 21 point uh, spread that we see. Cause USC is going to get tested for the first time really on defense and they haven't looked incredible yet. They gave up whatever 21, 24 to Arizona state um, last week who got shut out by South Alabama or whatever the week before. So it's going to be, it's going to be a, a better game. I think they'll come back. They're not going to win against USC, but Colorado look a lot better and uh, startable for sure. Sador Sanders, um, and uh, Xavier Weaver, et cetera, if he's healthy. I know oh. he's cool. All right. So with that being said, I want to have a quick topic of discussion to get things started off today. Trades in fantasy football, they can make or break a league. They can get people excited. They can see um, who's trying to make moves. Are you going to have to make a chess move yourself? Let's talk about trades and how one move can cause shuffling and make things fun in the league. So last night, um, Sean and I made a trade in the home league. I, I traded for, he started out 0-6, and, and he's been kind of unlucky um, with some untimely doubleheaders, some close defeats where his team put up some points. And when you're 0-6, your odds at making the playoffs are pretty minimal. Um, so he, he would have to really have you know, close to perfection the rest of the way already, which, which really stinks. So in a league like ours, where there's a pro side, it's common where you see one of these guys at the bottom start trading their expiring assets um, or potentially expiring assets. So like I I traded uh, Jordan Curley, who I still think can be really good for SMU. Like he didn't get his first catch till the fourth quarter. It's really uh, surprising. I spent a third round pick on him in this past draft, packaged him with a third and a fourth in next year's draft for Tory Horton. Um, and uh, then what's fun is the domino effects fall. You start seeing everybody update their. Um, <laughs> they're on the uh, block. and Yeah, they're, they're on the blocks and other trades are happening or starting to happen. It looks like we'll have some more in the league as people try and position you know in our league if mike dillingham makes a move or in the past if you know 
Danny's team is hot and he makes a move or or whoever Mike Davis. Or if you see course. or if you see Mike Davis and William Dong make a trade two to three <laughs> times a year and you have to go watch it and make sure they're not colluding. Right. <laughs> but then that's when everyone's like everyone else is like, okay, maybe I need to bolster my roster a little bit, make a move. And uh that part is always fun about leagues. I think um when you have a good, healthy amount of trades, you don't want to be trading like a bunch of stuff every week. But um, a healthy amount of trades is so great for a league. So, so we'll just take this question a little bit farther. As somebody who runs leagues or somebody that's at you know the, the leadership of leagues, is there a point, when do you think a commissioner should step in and address a trade, um, whether it be in just a seasonal fantasy league or in a league like ours where you've got multiple components, college pro draft picks and you've got the full dynasty effect going on. When do you think a commission step in and when, to, when should he back off? Oh, that's such a hard uh, thing to answer because our league, for example, you know, these people have been in the league, the majority of them for 15 years and they're not like, they're not just going to quit next year after they have a, a terrible trade or whatever. So it's hard, but, uh, there's still bad trades that happen in our league. Um, and, uh, man, that's tough. I, I would kick that and kind of defer to you on that front. Well, what do you have to say? So I feel like it's, it's easier in a seasonal league because yeah. in a seasonal league, you have to be able to take a look and say, are both teams benefiting from this trade in some way? Or do both teams think they're benefiting from the trade in some way? Um, it could be a bad trade and somebody might, somebody might really covet, uh, like in one of the leagues we're in, Will, dude loves Pittsburgh and we always bust his butt, uh, about, um, you know, if you've got the fourth string, you know, Pittsburgh Steeler wide receiver, you might be able to make a trade with Will. He's gotten, he's gotten better with that over the years, but he really covets those players. So he might make a bad trade, but it's for somebody he really wants. I think that the line draws when you can tell that somebody who's out of it or somebody who's on the bottom end is like, I'm just going to shovel my players to somebody else to help them win without getting a benefit now. Because if you can't look at a trade and see a benefit, then, you know, for both sides, then you feel like it's two teams playing for one championship. One thing for us in our very complicated college to pro league is not only do we want to see if some, if there's a value for both teams at, at the same time, we want to make sure that one team that it's not like team A and team B and team A is shoveling a bunch of greatness to team B right now. And then later on, it's going to be like the reverse next season. I'm going to make sure I shovel stuff back to you. We try to make sure that there's not that stuff going on so that that way it doesn't negatively impact the other 10 teams in the league. Right. So, yeah, I, but it's, yeah, I agree. but it's tough. It's tough because like you said, everybody's been in the league for like 15 years. Now we just have to make sure that, that there's not that that long term collusion in in leagues say like the CFB Open, that's that's where we have to just make sure there's not something that's foolish in the short term. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, all right. Well, I know we've got to go into some news and notes here. Um, anything else on the trade reaction before we move along? No, I think that I think it was interesting. I think it was. In, yeah, I think I think your trade was interesting, and this is one of those things where in our league. 
Um, you are one of the two guys that amass an absolutely stupid number of future draft picks. I don't understand why people want to trade all their future draft picks to you and to Mike Dillingham, but you had extra stuff that you probably weren't going to need next year. So you might have been able to overpay to get that one guy, but that's fruits of your, of your work previously to have additional picks that you have to be able to go and get those guys that you want. So kudos to you. Well, it's uh, it's different for me this year because my team is so young in, in the college side. So I expect everyone to be back except for one to two running backs um, and one receiver. Like the rest of my team's going to come back. So currently I don't have picks rounds two through five. Like I have a pick in round one, a couple picks in round six, and that's that's really it. Um I can tell you one guy who's not going to be back on my roster next year. It goes without saying. <laughs> uh, is it is it possibly a tight end that currently resides in in the Midwest? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, All actually, right. he was arrested in Georgia a couple weeks ago, so I don't know where ah. he's residing, but um, whatever. All right. So with that said, BMAC, I think today, since Doug is not here, you're going to take the reins on the news and notes. So why don't we get to? News and notes. News and notes around college football. All right, we're going to start with uh, JT Daniels at Rice. Um, He did not practice on Monday and is is basically questionable this week. Um, We've got Jalen Conyers back if you didn't see he had five catches 71 yards he was like super hyped up going into the season for Arizona State and I think he'll take over between him and Badger we'll get the the most of the targets but I would look out for him to be super cheap in DFS I haven't checked his number this week yet um but uh definitely someone I'm gonna watch going forward Gage Lavardian Miami Ohio receiver who just Blessed onto the scene in fantasy this year. Um, status is unknown for this week. Um, a Mike Davis player in the home league, and here's another one for him. Darius Taylor, running back from Minnesota, grabbed his leg in the fourth quarter, left, missed overtime. He is uncertain for this week. Rocket Sanders, Doug's boy, taking first team's rep or first team reps in practice that's awesome finally might make his uh, season debut and make it back for arkansas this week michael Trigg, that's a big one right there that's a big one left team uh at ole miss so see what happens with him we'll see where he transfers he came into south carolina from usc and uh no idea where he'll go now but he's gonna be portaling Uh, Along with DQ James, uh, running back from Wyoming, was expected to be the backup. And, uh, you know, isn't getting the touches he wants. He's gone. Uh, Caleb Johnson, running back for Iowa, is out this week. Equavius Marks, running back Mississippi State, questionable. Cartavius Norton, probable. So he should be back this week, Um, along with Treshawn Ward who uh, might have a little bit of urgency to practice after uh, Giddens went off for four touchdowns. More to come on him later in the show. Uh, Antoine Wells, South Carolina, out again this week. Lincoln Victor for Washington State. He's going to miss two-plus weeks. Stock up huge for Josh Kelly, as he proved last week. 
um, dynamic connection so far this season. Brady Cook to Luther Burden, both questionable uh, this week. And then um, let's see who we've got next. Antonio Williams for Clemson. Um, day to day, we'll see what's going on with him. John Antonio, Reese. Antonio Williams. We got we got to stop right there real quick on Antonio Williams. Yeah. Antonio Williams was the dreaded. No real news about him before the game. Nobody said hey, he is definitely not going to play. Antonio Williams gives you a win in the open league because of the late notification. And I played him injured. We have more to go, more to talk about that later on in the uh, in the in the podcast. Oh man. John Reese Plumley, UCF. Uh, no timeline yet. He is expected back this season. That does not sound very hopeful. Um, <laughs> so Tyler Shuck out six to eight weeks. That's huge. Huge. Season's basically over. Varen Morton uh, was listed as a waiver wire gem for us on Sunday because of that news. And now he is listed as the starter. Uh, Reggie Love. Um, true running back by committee at Illinois. He should practice and be ready to go this week. I was hoping to see Josh McCray get the workload for one full week, but that's not going to happen. Going into the show this morning, uh, Connor Wegman listed as day-to-day. However, I retweeted uh, like uh, maybe 15 minutes ago. Might miss the season at Texas A&M. And then Noah Thomas, Texas A&M wide receiver, is probable this week. So Max Johnson will get the go at quarterback there for them. Uh, Jalen McMillan, wide receiver for Washington, could return this week. He's basically a game-time decision, again, like he was last week and didn't play. Um, Aiden Robbins, running back BYU, out a few more weeks. Joe Milton, his knee is good to go. His accuracy, though, is always questionable. Would love to see Nico Iamaliava there. And then last one, Tony Mathis running back for Houston, expected back this week. And I got one that's not on there that's huge and got huge fantasy implications. You got Ches Malusi at Wisconsin. He fractured his fibula in the game this past week. He is confirmed out for the season. So that totally changes the Wisconsin running back game. Uh, you know that uh, that obviously he was getting a lot of carries at the beginning of the season, getting a lot of stats, so that changes that running back room dra- greatly. And that is a huge loss at Wisconsin, having Malusi out for the rest of the year. Brutal, brutal. Um, real quick, as we go on to the to the matchups and stuff in week five. Um, man, we did hit 200 subs or subscribers on YouTube. We do a terrible job on shorts and asking for for this kind of stuff but uh thank you for all the just natural additions if you like subscribe you know that stuff helps appreciate it a lot um way more to come we've got a lot more planned on the show a lot more planned on rankings tools and things coming so uh excited to kind of just take this journey with you guys and and have some fun but what are you looking for like uh, like bmac said earlier like bmac said earlier we've been playing in this league in the home league for 17 years now, is that what it is? 15, 17 years. And uh, we're in this for the long haul. So we're glad you guys are in here now. The first 200 subscribers, you guys are in for the long haul. You guys are OGs with us as we take this journey. That's right. So, all right. So, uh, 
I think we've got yeah. some mayhem coming this week. Listen to some of these matchups. Let me know. And I did find myself last night, by the way, craving some Tuesday night action. But uh, we'll get that hopefully get that. soon enough. Um, Louisville at NC State. You know, that those night games where you're the prime game, they can be tricky. Yeah, and, and it's, it's a, such a weird scheduling quirk. You rarely see a team in the Power Five, you know, ACC, SEC, anything like that, getting back-to-back Friday night games. So this is going to be the second week in a row. NC State is playing a Friday night game. Um, Hopefully they can have a better performance than they did last week. Last week, they needed not one, not two, but three 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalties in the last 36 seconds of the game to beat Virginia. Hopefully that's not the case this week for NC State. you got to have a better performance against Louisville. USC at Colorado. Now, at Colorado, USC, I, I think that's USC is going to handle their business there. But I think Colorado will keep it close. Clemson at Syracuse coming off of an overtime loss. They already have another loss in conference to Duke. That one feels a little tricky at, at the Dome there. It- it does. It does. I think, I think Clemson is going to be able to get the dub. However, if they have a chance to have another team, I mean, Syracuse was great last year. Syracuse should have won against Clemson last year. They had uh, just really unfortunate circumstances uh, at one point in that game. Uh, but Syracuse was came out to play it. They're obviously not the same team this year that they were last year. But I do agree. I think that that could be one of those games. And if we see Syracuse on top, not going to be too surprised at the end of the uh, end of the weekend. Now Texas can't look ahead to the Oklahoma game. They've got Kansas coming to town this week, and Kansas has given Texas some trouble in recent years um, as they've kind of had their ascension back into college football re- uh, <clears throat> relevance. So a little tricky there. Kansas is really good. How about Georgia at Auburn? Georgia hasn't looked great yet. Um, Auburn, you know, is terrible throwing the ball. So they're going to switch things up for sure against Georgia. You got Florida at Kentucky. Kentucky is the the small favorite there. That one, uh, you know, hopefully for me, Florida is able to kind of turn the recent trend of losing to Kentucky. LSU at Ole Miss. I could see another SEC West team lose there. I think Jackson Dart is ready and primed for a huge game. Um, as they host LSU has been terrible in the secondary. Yeah. Then you got Notre Dame at Duke Um, Notre Dame versus Ohio state was the most watched game. And like, was it 20, 30 years um, on NBC? It was, the ratings were unbelievable for that game. And um, I think, I feel like that game, Notre Dame is going to go in and they're going to have a beat down on Duke. That doesn't mean Duke is not a good team. I think that Notre Dame is going to be mad at themselves for the way that that Ohio State game ended up. Um, At the end of the game, Notre Dame only has 10 men on the field, not once, but twice. 10 men on the field on a goal line stand against Ohio State to lose the game. That's one of those things that is probably eating at every single person in that locker room, and they're going to have – they're going to they're going to be ready to go out this week and prove that they are not the team to put 10 men on the field to lose against uh 
Ohio State, they're going to say we're the team that's gone out there and beat down people the rest of the season earlier. Yep, South Carolina at Tennessee. That one is a is a, a tricky one. Bama at Mississippi State. Now Mississippi State, they're tough with the cowbells at home they have only i think three juniors on their in their starting lineup in offense and defense uh the rest are seniors so that's that's going to be a tricky tricky one for bama there but a, a great defense and a good running game travels well and then washington who's been incredible so far this season at arizona this feels a little tricky too there a lot of tricky matchups. Let's see some weird stuff this week. Feels a little tricky there, but I do think that uh, Michael Penix is he he has proven that he is uh, definitely in the conversation at the top of the list for uh, Heisman Trophy candidate. The kind of stuff he's been doing this year is incredible, and I think he's going to be able to carry his team in that one, even though they're playing at Arizona. All right, so that's the uh, that's the, the tricky matchups this week. As you see, we are deep into conference play because. Pretty much every one of those games we talked about is a uh, in-conference game uh, that's really going to start showing who are, the, who are the contenders and who are the pretenders this year. So, BMAC, you said you want to go take a uh, quick look back at our reactions from week four. What else do you want to talk about week four before we move forward? Yeah, we, really quick. Uh, we covered Colorado. We covered Ohio State. Um, your boy Genty, man, he just continues to prove to just be the man. And beyond winning that battle as the top running back for Boise, um, he's top five in terms of reliable or reliability as a fantasy running back so far. Yeah, I, I feel like you know, as as somebody who's been an Austin Genty or Ashton Genty chill shill for his entire career, um, I get a little nervous not about how he's performing now. But I'm like, he gets so many touches every single game. As a running back, you can only do that so often. And you can only do that for so long. So is he gonna, you know, is he gonna be able to make it into the pros and, and have a long career? Or are they gonna say, man, you were getting 30, 40 touches a game in college, man. You're you're beat down, you're beat up, kind of like Jay Ajay at, Bo at Boise State. He got so many carries and he only had a few years in the pros. That's my only concern. But right now, as a as a Genty owner and somebody who's been on the Genty train for years. Um, yeah, I love seeing it. I love seeing it. Um, and then last but not least, Dante Moore didn't quite get the breakout performance we hoped, not that he was terrible, but I gambled on UCLA to get that win, and uh, it obviously did not happen. So uh, more to come from Dante Moore. I think he'll prove to be one of the best quarterbacks in the game, um, if not soon, then later on this season. Um Love UCLA. So, uh, yeah, that's really most of the reactions. Obviously, the top performances from fantasy last week, you know, Jack Plummer from Louisville. He's someone I had my eye on for a long time at Purdue. Um, and uh, he's, he's with the same, you know, coach now killing it at Louisville. 63.6 points was our top fantasy performer last week. Jordan McLeod from James Madison at 58. And then QB3 was Cam Ward, 54 and a half points there. Um, some great performances, obviously. DJ Giddens coming in at running back one. And this is where I wish Doug was here to kind of claim the credit. He was listed as a, a 
great streamer last week, and he was the ultimate streamer with four touchdowns. Um, what a game, 57.8 points. The third biggest uh, performer uh, of the whole week and running back one. Joar Jordan continues to be super consistent for Louisville, and we'll see if NC State can slow him down on Friday night. Uh, 44 fantasy points, and then RB3 Cameron Scadabo, uh 42. And then this one really shocked me. Wide receiver one, Bryce Kurtz, Northwestern? Yeah, that's, uh, that, that is shocking. That is shocking right there. It won't happen again this week. They play Penn State. So um, not going to be a streamer for sure, but 43 points last week. And then Rome Adonze, 41 for Washington, of course. And then Washington State, Josh Kelly, 40.9 points. Um, you know, picking up the slack that's left there. But great week. Yeah, I got, and, I, uh, yeah. Go for it, I, I've got a I got a couple other standout performances. Obviously, we talked about Genty, 254 total yards, two touchdowns in Boise's win. You've got Reggie Brown from James Madison, five receptions, 160 yards, and two touchdowns. You have Dallin Holker, the tight end at Colorado State. Tight end, 11 receptions, 112 yards, and a touchdown. That is the kind of production you want out of a tight end. If you go back to the shows that we had over the summer, uh, we talked about if you can get a mismatch at tight end, there are very few tight ends in football that are going to be able to get you those points over top of, say, the second group. So if Dallin Holker is out there, you might want to consider him because that's what we talked about with targets. 11 receptions. I wonder how many targets he got in that game. That's huge. That's the kind of guy that you want to have on your squad. 100%. Um, all right. So before right. we get into, you know, the open review, uh, waiver wire gems and streamers of the week and our, our last few segments, um, I do want to go over the rankings a little bit. So I'm going to put those up on the screen um, for everybody that's on YouTube. You know, obviously if you're listening on the podcast, you can go to, you can get there a multitude of ways, but from the top navigation ranking, CFF week five uh, rankings, we push these out typically on Tuesday. And uh, yet again, we've got Caleb Williams as the, the best statistical play this week. Um, you can see the last three trailing weeks, week two, week three, week four up there. Um, defense versus the pass and versus the rush. Um, so this would be, uh, if you're looking at the first line, Caleb Williams, this would be Colorado, how good they are against the pass and against the rush. And they are 113th against the pass, 124th against the rush so far. And uh, I don't ex those aren't things that Colorado is going to be able to fix over the course of the year. They'll fix that through recruiting and through the portal. But uh, Caleb Williams and USC kind of will be able to feast in whichever way they want to running, passing. Um, we've got the implied score here based on the over under and the spread. So it's about 47 to 26. So there's like three or four touchdowns in there potentially for Shador, um, you know, as Vegas kind of projects. So uh, I, I think uh, those Colorado starters will, will have plenty of ability there. And yeah, then you'll I, see I the other yeah. rankings. Yeah. Go for yeah. It. You look at the other rankings, you look at the, you look at the top 10, 
Um, love seeing uh, Fresno State quarterback Mikey Keene in there. Fresno State is probably right now they're performing like last year's, um, you know, Tulane. They're a team that could sneak in there because they are they are beating people down. They're having a great uh, great season, and um, they might be able to sneak in and be that Group of Five team the way they're playing right now. But uh, I do find it interesting. I do find it interesting that if you look at that, who would have thought that the only schools from the ACC to be in the top 10 rankings are going to be Boston College and Georgia Tech. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, so BMAC, let's just talk about those real quick. You got Haynes King from Georgia Tech. You got uh, BC's QB right there in the top seven and number eight. How do you feel about those games? You got um, BC versus Virginia. You got Georgia Tech versus Bowling Green. Um, tell me why somebody, if they've got those guys on their team, should be confident about starting those two guys. Castellanos gets a ton of carries. Um, so as a dual threat quarterback, he just claims a ton of the fantasy points. He's been really consistent. So week two, he put up 29. Week three, 34. Week four, 25 and a half. And UVA's defense is pretty soft. They're expected to score about 30 points uh, Boston Colleges this week against UVA. And also UVA is 90th against the pass, 111th against the rush. Castellanos will... Uh, should be able to statistically to have his way. Um, and then Haynes King, another dual threat guy for this time for Georgia tech. It's one of the non conference matchups. So it's, he's not going to have a matchup this favorable for a while. They've got Bowling green this week coming into Atlanta and uh, they're projected to score about 38 points. He's been averaging 36 fantasy points a game. So I'd expect that average to, uh, you know, play out to where he'll be in the statistically should be in the 36 fantasy points or plus that amount uh, this week. All right, BMAX, unless you have something else you want to talk about with quarterbacks, let's move on to running backs. And I think that, uh, I think that running backs, uh, it's interesting because you go to our preseason and we talked about how there were certain conferences and, and that would that would show in the quarterbacks versus running backs versus wide receivers. Um, you look at running backs this week, and there's very few power five running backs in the top 10. Most of the running backs are from group of five, but that's also because we're now getting into conference play. So most of the running backs are playing against defenses that are on the caliber of the rest of their team. So uh, is there anybody in that top 10 that you really want to uh, you really want to uh, point out? Well, I, I mean, I think that trend's well, just going to stick. Mean, like, uh, Corum is like, uh, not really put – like, he's not been bad, but he hasn't had to play much. Michigan's played nobody yet. Um, so I'd expect Corum, as the competition gets better, for him to actually perform better. Um, but some of these other guys, like Marcus Carroll, has been incredible this year. I expect that to continue. Um, the one, of the one of the guys that's been a breakout – that I wanted to call out is Jonathan Brooks. He's won and held that Texas running back job. Um, he's a feature player in the offense, gets a lot of looks um, out of the backfield as a pass catcher too. He's been super consistent. I think his smallest uh, output so far is 12 and a half fantasy points. Um, and he's got a really high ceiling as Texas is projected to score a ton. Yet again, this week they're projected to score like 40 points uh, against Kansas at home. So, um, you love that. One thing to note, too, is Darius Taylor. You'll see him listed there. He is questionable. Um, 
And as of, you know, if they're questionable, they'll be ranked highly, but that's something to monitor as it gets closer, um, closer to game time. So I think there's a, there's two quick things I want to point out on here. At number two, you've got Genty. At number four, you have Blake Watson from uh, Memphis playing against each other. So you basically the rankings are saying that that is a game that where both teams cannot stop the run um, because you've got two guys in the top four playing against each other that are in the rankings. The other thing is I feel like Marquise Irving at nine could be the guy that at the end of the week could be the number one statistical guy because he's playing against Stanford and Stanford has been historically terrible for Stanford. Uh, the, the kind of the way they're playing, the kind of games they're losing um, Oregon after going and beating down a team like Colorado last week, Stanford is, is, is a shell of the Stanford teams that we used to see. I think he could have a historic day for him in that game. I, he could, but they don't run him enough. So he's averaging 18 points a game, which is great. Um, but then if you scroll down, you'll see Jordan James, who's averaging 15 and a half fantasy points a game um, at ranked as the 35th best start, even though he's not even the starter. Um, so uh, if if he was to get the amount of touches like a Rasheen Ali does, uh, he would be ranked higher for sure, because it is a great matchup. Like you said, they're projected to score about 44 Oregon is this week. All right. So let's uh, let's move over to uh, to wide receivers. I'll make a quick point here in the top 10. Eric Brooks from Fresno State in the top five. Um, I can tell you, going into the season, I don't think that anybody expected that there would be a Fresno State quarterback, a running back, and wide receiver all in the top 10 in the same week. That's pretty impressive to me that Fresno State has, has got a guy in every one of those categories in the top 10 this week. Yep, so, BMAC, who, who jumps out to you? If you look at wide receivers, like we said, at, at running backs – there are a lot of guys from group of five and wide receivers. That is not the case. Wide receivers is all almost all top end wide receivers. And you've even got three guys from Washington in the top 11 in the rankings. That is unbelievable. BMAC, what do you think about the way that everything stacks up here at wide receiver? You know, in this scenario, we assume they're healthy, right? And then we're thinking about, all right, if you have him on your roster, who are you going to start and who would you start over him? There's not many people I would start over Jalen McMillan if he's healthy and uh, playing against Arizona when they're pass heavy, pass they heavy. throw the ball they're a ton. They're expected to score uh, 43 and a half points this week. So um, yeah, I, that's, that's one that's easy. Um, same with LSU got neighbors and Brian Thomas and, they just uh, throw the ball a ton, and and that's that's what you want. Obviously, you want those pocket passers who are just going to chuck it around the field. Not that Jaden Daniels is a pocket passer because he is very much dual threat. And you got your boy Tory Horton right there, the guy you made the big trade for. Um, how are you hoping he performs this week? It's a little sketchy playing against Dixon, Dixieland, whatever that stands for. Um <laughs> <laughs> so he's put up. It stands for beatdown. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, so, yeah, you're just hoping for a first half touchdown, really. And then, as they, as Colorado State has better matchups, you know, when he's going to play the full game, that'll be, that'll be nice. But yeah, I expect them to keep the passing game going. Uh, they've got the, the quarterback change a couple weeks ago that's kind of worked out. So they're going to want to get him 
flowing along before they fully go into all conference play. All right. So is there anything else you want to talk about about the rankings before we go to our open league review? Xavier Leggett. Leggett, maybe. <clears throat> uh, for South Carolina, he's getting some NFL hype now. Um, apparently he hit uh, a speed and he's he's got size. Like he's thick. He's 6'2". Like he's not a small guy, but he hit a speed that um, is faster than any NFL player has been clocked at during the game so far this year. Well, clearly, and, you know, that means the Dolphins are going to want to be drafting him <laughs> since they have like the four fastest players in the NFL right now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And they'll probably get him in like the fourth round. <laughs> maybe. But uh, anyways, yes, there's some yeah. hype around him. And, uh, you know, with um, uh, I forgot his name. We talked about him in the opening uh, news and notes of Wells. Since Wells, Antoine Wells is out, Leggett's the man. You know, he's averaging 24 fantasy points a game. I've got him currently ranked too low. He needs to move up with the Wells news. Um, 40 points last week in fantasy and uh, 10 the week before that, 22 the week before that. So not only has he been outstanding and had and kind of shown the ability to break out and get a huge game, but he's also been consistent with a, a high floor. So uh, that game against Tennessee expected to be a shootout. Um, love uh, Leggett in that game. All right. Well, there you go. That is the top tens. Obviously you probably need to know a lot more than about just the top 10. So do not forget to go up and subscribe to cfbdynasty.com so you can get the full rankings and have the full ability to be able to, uh, have a leg up on your competitors and hopefully bring home that championship. With that being said, BMAC, I think it is time for us to go to the CFB Dynasty Open League Review. Let's go. Let's go. No no drop for this one yet. We, we'll get one by next season for sure. But yeah, what do you have yep. for us on? on All right. So so here, here's, my, here's what I got to say about this. I feel like there was some collusion between you and the statistician somewhere because this past week I played you and suffered a horrible, dreadful, painful, controversial loss. Man, your sorry. team was a your team was a bottom feeder. I was in the top six. I have Antonio Williams that gets benched. My team lost by a gut wrenching zero point zero eight points to BMAC. It's brutal. Think think about that. Think about what that means. That means my team lost by less than a yard. This is how close that game was. At the end of the Washington game, fourth down, Michael Penix scrambles. Michael Penix leans forward to try and get yards to get the first. If the referees take him as a running back, he gets his one yard, and I win the game. Mm. The referees said, nope, we're going to treat this as if it was a quarterback giving himself up on a slide, which is not what he was doing but they treated it as a quarterback giving himself up on a slide. No yards gained, turnover, BMAC wins by 0.08 points. What do you guys think? Is that complete insanity or what? I could not believe that. BMAC does not need any help from the statistician gods to get dubs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's crazy. It's always sickening to have those stupid defeats. Uh, I'd much rather get feet down <laughs> uh that being said it was a, it was a great week oaktown 510 is still 
going berserk. He is undefeated. He is far and away the best team in the league. Will anybody be able to take him down? He has got 112 points more than anybody else in the league. Shout out right now to M. Brooks, to my Balzac Ertz, Saucy Dossie, Jay Petkoff, and Steelers Pride. Those right now are the six teams that would make the playoffs. I am one spot out at five and three after suffering that controversial defeat to BMAC. But BMAC and Doug, after starting the week in absolutely embarrassing 20th and 21st places, both snuck out a win and have now vaulted all the way to 18th and 19th, respectively. BMAC, what do you think about being in the top 20 now in the 2014 league? Well, I've been not aggressive enough on my bids. I Every week, um, I'm just slightly too low on, on players that I bid for in the waiver wire. So I'm going to start overpaying, I think, here for people. It's, it's getting to a, a point of ridiculousness <laughs> but yeah uh, i i i learned that early on that uh, i i tried to be conservative in a couple bids and i was like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna go a little bit high on on a specific player little did i know that that was not anywhere near what somebody else was gonna bid yeah. so that's exactly what i've been doing i'm like you know what if i really want this guy i'm gonna really overbid and there's been times where like i bid 22 bucks on a guy and got him for a buck i'm like nobody else even bid for this dude <laughs> okay yeah Oh, crazy how that stuff works out. Waiver wire uh, has not been my friend in this league so far. So uh, so last week we made a big deal about Doug versus Carissa. Carissa, first year playing fantasy football. Um, I have I have uh, begged and implored on bent knee for BMAC to go across the hallway to Carissa's office and give the girl some help because um, it's, I, I mean, we can joke about her getting beat down, but... You know, I feel bad because this past week she only started seven players against Doug. She started seven players against Doug, and it only it took Doug till after eleven o'clock p.m. <laughs> on a Saturday to get the dub over a team that basically handed him a win. If I'm Doug, I don't feel too good about that. If I'm Doug, I go to that office and I apologize for for getting the victory over her. Now that being said, that being said, Carissa, no wins. She's zero and eight. 763 points shockingly enough she is not in last place the person in last place is the league resident trash talker clichereen my boy how can you be behind carissa you are behind her by a point the way your team is scoring it might take you three weeks to be able to make up that difference <laughs> but clichereen uh, come on man I wish you took some uh, screenshots, some some receipts uh, like Dion from the draft uh, draft room. Really <laughs> fun. <laughs> oh, but not cliche read in all in all in all honesty, man. Uh, keep keep the trash talk going, man. That's what makes the league fun. Uh, the chat for our open league is is uh, very active on Saturdays. There's been a lot of fun in there uh, this year. It's 24 teams. If you're watching this, if you're one of those subscribers and you're watching this, you're like, man, that sounds like fun. I want to be able to get in. There are big plans next year to be able to expand what the CFB Open is. And uh, we'd love to have you uh, take part in that so we can really build uh, literally the CFB dynasty into a dynasty of open leagues. No doubt. No doubt. So, so BMAC, do you, uh, you feel like you're going to have a chance this week in the Open or are you, uh, are you expecting to come out of this week at 2-8? and eight? 
Uh, I think so. I did make a couple claims uh, finally, and so I was able to get Dewan Edwards, who against Auburn, you know, he might not have the best game, but I've got so many bye weeks. I've got, uh, you know, our benches are small. I've got five players on the bench and four of, or sorry, six, and then four of them have bye weeks. So uh, it's kind of a little bit of scrambling. Um, So hopefully... Brennan Rice is favored here by Caleb Williams this week, so I'm not going to rely on that here. And Edwards and ETN, a couple SEC backs. I really think Chandler Morris is, like, ready to break out, like, at any point for TCU. So I like having him, and uh, hopefully Bowers will continue and start a hot streak after a a great performance, finally, from my first-round pick. I was able to uh, pick up a couple guys as well. I way overbid and only had to pay five bucks combined for two different guys. It just shocked me. So um, you've got Emmanuel Michelle, senior running back at Air Force. Air Force is always known for putting out guys that just get tons and tons and tons of carries. And um, you just would know, but we've never talked about it. But the guy in the last two weeks, 28 carries, 106 yards and three touchdowns, 33 attempts, 148 yards and three touchdowns. That's his last two weeks, 60 carries for 254 yards and six touchdowns. And I got him off the waiver wire for three bucks, for two bucks, two bucks. And then um, the other guy I picked up was Jalen Moss, freshman wide receiver at Fresno State. He is one of three receivers that's getting a lot of playtime out there right now. He is the third receiver, but he also is a freshman. So we'll see what he does and see if he's able to us to stick in that lineup. But uh, hopefully – I was watching some Moss highlights this past weekend. He he looks really good. Um, I'm hope, yeah, hoping that as a freshman. Hopefully, after my uh, my disgusting, horrible defeat, because Antonio Williams decides he wants to tank my game, I got to go see if you paid him off. <laughs> got to get somebody else to get in there. But that's our open league review. Um, been having a lot of fun in there. Somebody's got to take down Oaktown. Oaktown, we're we're gunning for you, even though I lost you in week one. I'm imploring everybody else to come and uh, to come and take you down. We need that. Uh, but we're having a lot of fun in the open league. Um, with that being said, BMAC, I know you want to look at the uh, the waiver wires or the streaming. Uh, let's take a look at who you think are guys that are out there that that still may be out there that inexplicably are going to be easy gets for someone. Let's go streaming. We've got a guy we talked about earlier, Xavier Leggett, South Carolina, available in 49% of leagues, also on Devi Watch now for sure. Um, Braden Fowler, Nicolosi, Colorado State quarterback. He's still available in 94% of leagues um, after he took over the starting job. He's averaging 26 fantasy points per game, playing against a, a trash opponent this week. And then... Thomas Castellanos, we talked about him earlier too, quarterback for Boston College. He's available in 81% of leagues, averaging 44 fantasy points per game. Um, Ishmael Mahdi from Texas State, breakout last week, still available in 95% of leagues. So if you want to see if he's going to continue or start a hot streak there, um, he's a, a great option that you can throw in your flex. And then for defense, Rutgers, available in 96% of leagues. They're playing against Wagner this week. 
Um, so their defense has been solid. You know, I had a tough opponent last week against Michigan. So I'm sure they were dropped in most leagues where they were rostered, but now available against Wagner. So Ishmael Mahdi is, a, is an interesting one. Uh, actually, I did try to pick him up in the open league as well. But if you look at Ishmael Mahdi, you talk about a breakout. You're not kidding. In the first three weeks of the season, he had 15 carries, and he had a little over 180 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Last week, 21 attempts, 216 yards, and two touchdowns. So last week, he did better than the rest of his season combined. Um, Texas State has been uh, been interesting. You thought Calvin Hill was going to get more carries out there. Um, yeah, Mahdi, Mahdi might be the guy now. If you're going to have a game where you get 200 yards, he might be the guy that's going to become the 1A running back out there now at, uh, at Texas State. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, that's it for uh, streamers. And so now we can move along to our brisket lock this week. It's so this week, this week with lock. Doug not here... This week with Doug not here, I'm also going to seed putting a brisket lock out there. We're going to go back to the OG. We're going to go back to the one you really want to hear from, BMAC. BMAC, who is your brisket lock of the week? Uh, really quickly, uh, our brisket locks did well last week uh, for everyone. So Doug had LJ Martin, um, you know, 11 attempts, 28 yards. As a ball carrier, he is a running back. That's not great, but... But kind of salvaged your uh, stat line there with one catch for 10 yards and a receiving touchdown. Your guy, Matt Pofele Ashlock for Hawaii, 11 targets, seven catches, 77 yards, a touchdown away from a really great performance. And then I went with Malachi Corley to kind of break out. And uh, he did uh, 15 targets, nine catches, 112 yards and a touchdown there for Western Kentucky, even though that was going to be a tightly contested, not like a, a crazy Austin Reed 500 yard kind of game. Um, and it was a tightly contested game, but Corley did really well. So for me this week, I'm going to roll with Byron Brown quarterback usf uh usf's playing against navy if you haven't seen byron brown play yet he's a runner and he's really fast uh navy is 98th against the run um so i think we'll see byron brown do his thing uh this week you know what i lied i'm gonna give you a brisket lock as well i think we're gonna go roll back just to the guy we just talked about emmanuel michelle the running back from air force um, he is getting an incredible stat line. He's become the, the top dog at Air Force as a running back, as a senior. Um, you want, As you said at the beginning of the broadcast, you want touches, you want carries, you want targets as a wide receiver. Um, if he's getting averaging 30 carries a game for the last two games, Air Force runs the ball a ton. That's just what their offense is. Uh, you know he's going to touch the ball a lot. Uh, so I think Emmanuel Michelle from Air Force is going to be a guy that you you can uh, know is going to get a big stat line this week. Love it. We had someone ask about him on the Discord and why he didn't get in the top 50. I just want to see some uh, consistency because really in that kind of offense, the defense dictates who gets the ball. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, if his hot streak continues, he'll be a, a great one. And uh, love, love, love the pick there. Um, all right, so we can move along to our 
our last segment here. We have a full show on Saturday dedicated to DFS where we take start sit questions. We go over multiple lineups and and take questions. We had probably yeah. nine or twelve live questions um on the show last weekend and that was great um but yeah let's go to our our dfs host battle where we unveil our lineups um we haven't talked about it pre-show or anything and kind of go over um who we have selected as we gamble against each dfs host battle So I do have Doug's lineup, even though he's not here. He sent me his lineup. I'll go over his, then you can go over yours, Matt. Um, sure, Doug, sure. Congrats to him. He did win it finally last week, even though we all sucked. But oh, terrible! It was terrible. Terrible. Um, and and what's really sad is that you know we had another week of our sleepers going off, like we killed it in our DFS sleeper post yet again. But uh, I just had the wrong top guys, the wrong balance of players on my roster specifically. But I'm sure much those so. sleepers helped other people win some money. So, um, and not that I, I did win actually in the the late night games, but the early ones were. I just didn't have the right balance. It was it was rough. So here we go, Doug. Doug. Quarterback is Quinn Ewers, $8,700. And then at running back, he's gone with Genty at $6,800. A solid price still for someone averaging 35 fantasy points a game in, in DraftKings. And then Rocket Sanders, questionable to start, but is getting first-team reps. He's at $5,600. So super cheap going against a, a good uh, D-line of Texas A&M. At receiver, Elijah Badger, 5,700. Brock Bowers still at 5,400. And Xavier Worthy at 6,500. Still waiting for that Xavier Worthy breakout, you know, three-touchdown performance. Hasn't quite happened yet. He's been good uh, week in and week out, though. In the flex, he's got Trevor Etienne uh, for Florida. Um Kind of oddly used him last week against a, you know, a UNC Charlotte, uh, but more probably just resting him. And also three of the starting O linemen were out, so um, ETN should have a bounce back good game this week. And then Samuel Jackson, Samuel Jackson. the fifth, uh, fifty five hundred is Doug's super flex. Who do you got, Matt? All right, so. Uh... This week, I, I, I feel bad because I'm going against my boy Shador, and I took the most expensive guy on the board uh, with, my, with my quarterback, Caleb Williams, at 10500 as my cue. You know, he's one of those guys, especially when you get into those small pools, like if there's like only four teams available, he's one of those guys where if he goes off and you don't have him, you're going to lose, very likely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, that, that was one that was hard not to pick it's weird they've got they're in this time slot of games for the first it time is this year a nine very bizarre local time kick uh yeah it's ridiculous ridiculous then we already talked about genty i think his his uh his value is absurd that you've got a guy that's where he's at that is only sixty eight hundred dollars i mean that is right now the value pick of the week um 
My other running back, LaQuint Allen from Syracuse, was at 5,700. And uh, he is last, last game, he had 20 carries for 104 yards and a touchdown on uh, three receptions. He's averaging mid 20s in, in fantasy points. I feel like that's a value right there for Syracuse. Uh, Brock Bowers at wide receiver. I definitely took him as well. I feel like he had a good value. Yeah. Um, Bryce Kurtz from Northwestern at 5,300. His last game, he had 10 receptions for 215 yards and two touchdowns. I am hoping that that breakout game that he had stays because the rest of the season, he didn't do a whole lot. So hopefully that's uh, that's going to be the value pick of the week. Um, and I got Sanders from Texas, the wide receiver who had five catches and 110 yards. Great, he was great. at $4,700 at wide receiver. My flex this week is Will Shipley, a uh, guy that I've got a, a personal bet against for not going to NC state. Um, <laughs> I still hold that grudge against him, um, but he's got he's got good value. Finally, got a touchdown last week, uh, fifty nine hundred for Will Shipley, which seems very low for him. Yeah, low. And then I tried. My, I built my roster this week around the last couple of weeks. I did not was not able to get a quarterback in my super flex. I just couldn't make it happen. And uh, we saw what happened. I got you know epically beat down by Brian and Doug the last two weeks. So I said, no matter what happens, I have to have a quarterback in both spots. And so I picked Luke Altmeyer from Illinois, uh, put him as my super flex. Uh, he's only at 5,700. So I felt like uh, that was with using Caleb Williams at that 10, five, cool. that was the most value I could get out of a quarterback, but I did put Altmeyer at my super flex. What about like you, BMAC? Who do you got? I like that lineup a lot. So the goal here is to, um, you know, score 200 plus. That's how you, you have to minimally have that if you're playing in any kind of big player pool. Um, so I've got uh, KJ Jefferson at home against Texas A&M as my starter at quarterback running back. Um, you know, a couple guys that have already been mentioned, Will Shipley at 5,900 Trevor Etienne at 5,200 at receiver. A couple guys that you guys also had Brock Bowers, 5,400. We've all got him. Xavier worthy, 6,500. Doug's got him too. And then I went with cam camper at 5,300 for, Indiana playing against uh, Maryland on the road this week. And then at flex, I have Isaiah Williams for Illinois um, against Purdue on the road. And then my super flex is JJ McCarthy um, for Michigan at Nebraska this week. They really need to have a clean performance um, after the last couple weeks. So we'll see what happens there uh, with Michigan, but, uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm excited to uh, report back and and whatnot yet again. This so what? Week. So what do you guys out there think? What do you think about the three lineups that we just said? Do you who do you think is going to be able to bring home that dub based on the lineups we had? I know BMAC will have a post up. We'll have a screenshot showing those lineups. We want to know what you guys think. The, uh, let us know if there's any values out there that you think that we just completely missed on. Anybody you think that we've picked that should not be out there, but um. Yeah, it's going to be a great, a great college football weekend. We're getting into the actual meat of the conference schedule. You're going to start seeing some of the Power Five teams putting up less stats. Some of the Group of Five teams starting to blow up, and it's going to make fantasy very interesting. It will. BMAC, well, man. BMAC, you got any closing words before we wrap this thing up? Uh, no. Other than 
uh, DFS post will be up on Thursday with all the, you know, shootouts of the week, the stack of the week and all that stuff that we talk about for DFS. And, uh, yeah, let's get some more of that stuff flowing along. We'd love to see some of y'all's lineups posted up in the discord, but, um, yeah, super excited. Big week ahead. All right, let's wrap it up. This has been the CFBDynasty.com week five college fantasy football podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe. We're going to run that close. We are out. Thank you for listening to the CFB Dynasty podcast. Help us out by subscribing on YouTube and reviewing us on your podcast network.